0: This is the Reading Teachers' Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation.
1: Hi, welcome to the Reading Teachers' Lounge, episode... (laughs) the episode finale for season two. I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching since 2002. I've been a reading specialist and a classroom teacher, and I have an interesting new job now that I will share um, in this episode. And um, my, my specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just read activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at RDNG development on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Hey, um, I'm Mary Sagafi and I'm the other half of the reading teacher's lounge. Um, We're excited to do this finale with you all. I'm going to introduce myself for those who haven't um, yet met Shannon and I, but my name is Mary Sagafi. I've been teaching since 2006. Um, I work from home these days. I'm tutoring and I'm also a dyslexia advocate and um, I really believe that learning and humor go hand in hand and I do believe that we need to find all the humor we can these days. Um, We're excited to catch up with you all and um, we're going to just share a little bit about how the coronavirus and the pandemic have kind of affected our season 2 and even before that we've had just such a rocky season 2 however we're really pleased to say that we've gained a lot of new listeners and a lot of people are giving us great feedback and Shannon and I are um so glad to connect back with all of you um and give you some updates
1: yeah we hope you're doing um doing well and having a pretty good summer after the strange school year keeping
0: safe and taking good care of yourselves please wear your masks yes (laughs) and um clearly from our opener we are out of practice from this so uh we
1: haven't recorded since february when we did our we heart fcrr and um
0: episode and goodness we didn't know what was waiting for us just a month after that episode aired (laughs) just like y'all i'm sure it's (laughs) we're all kind of in this big question mark bubble of life right now but um No, our FCRR episode is one of my favorites and I've been getting such good feedback and happily I've been able to use a lot of those resources again lately and share them with some of my neighbors and things like that. So, um, if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to our episode about the Florida, Florida Reading Research Center, um, they have a lot of free games and, um, really great materials for helping children with, um, development or with foundational literacy skills so we highly recommend you check that episode out they have advanced
1: skills too because i'm teaching summer school right now we have just a very small set of students at our summer school because we're practicing social distancing with students and um, i have a student in an advanced grade who is an english language learner and pretty low in reading And the map score showed that he needed a lot of vocabulary. And so I pulled out a bunch of vocabulary games from FCRR. And we've been working on homonyms and homophones and synonyms and antonyms and really great games. They were all free.
0: Yay. Great. All right. So Shannon, give us the update. How has 2020 (laughs) been for you? I need to go back to 2019. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I know that um, everybody's school year what ended up being strange um and I thought it was I was going to be kind of unique in that aspect but then now everybody experienced in the second half of their school year what I experienced in the first half of the school year so um if you go back to our season two opener I was really really excited about the school year because Mm -hmm. I was switching to teaching kindergarten which is a job that I'd never had before um, I taught kindergarten as a reading specialist for many years, but I'd never taught homeroom kindergarten. And I spent a ton of time last this time last year um, in the summer setting up my room. I, I, I set it up. It was my favorite classroom I've ever set up. I
0: remember you were Our theme so was grow theme. and
1: thrive in room 105. And I had modern farmhouse theme and growing and all these things. And um, I taught for a month less than a month and then boom on the Monday morning on the way to work I was hit by a tow truck um, very unexpectedly on the way to work that morning and my car was totaled and I initially thought I was okay like I uh, had some whiplash and I took off a couple days to go to the physical therapist and figure out a few things but then I went right back to work because that's what teachers do we just get right back to things. Yep. And um, I taught for a whole nother month um, after the wreck. So I, I, I taught the whole month of September. And I ended up having um, a ton of weird things start going on in that month. And I just couldn't figure out what it was. I was getting lost driving. I was losing track of time. I was um, having memory problems. Um I was slurring my words. You can even hear it in some of the podcast episodes that we recorded during that time. I would lose my train of thought, and I couldn't find the right vocabulary word, and um, just a lot of different things going on, and it just took a while to figure out that I had a brain injury. It just wasn't obvious to me, and a lot of, um, not a lot is still known about concussions, Um, but I didn't follow a concussion protocol right when it happened because I just jumped right back into work and I started having more and more symptoms as I was at my
0: job and you can't have a brain injury and teach 20 Five year olds. <laughs> it's very, very, very difficult. And not to mention, it takes each individual brain um, its own time to heal, and each yeah. brain heals in its own way, too.
1: Yeah. And so I was just very confused, and I was um, starting to have a lot of symptoms at work, and it was really, really, it was starting to interfere with my job. And um, so I ended up having to take some time off. Um, I ended up taking three months off. Um, from that kindergarten job because I couldn't multitask. I just couldn't do any of the aspects of our job, the paperwork, Mm -hmm. Um, all the emails and all the lesson plans and just all the different things that go into teaching. I was having a really hard time doing. So I took three months off. So the whole fall I was at home um, and going to a concussion clinic and learning about my condition and just trying to figure out how I could get myself better because, I love my brain. (laughs) um, You didn't even know how much you loved it before. Right. Well, I'm understanding the things that Mary's been talking about all these years, because guess what, you guys? Now I have executive functioning problems. Yeah. And I never did before. And so I'm understanding the students even more than I ever did before. And um to learn things, I have to do multi-sensory now. I have to <laughs> do everything hands-on and visual and auditory, and I have to sketch things out, and even uh, my comprehension has been affected. I don't visualize stories like I used to, and so I'm having to employ new things to remember what I read.
0: Guys, Shannon's like the best student. She really is. She <laughs> is so able to advocate for herself and say, just a minute, I need to sketch this out. I need to do this, and How wonderful is that? (laughs) Well, so I haven't lost my metacognition, so I can think about my
1: thinking. And so my my concussion uh, clinicians have just appreciated me because I can go to them each week and say, well, this is still hard for me. Or I'm paying attention to my brain and seeing what's weird and what still doesn't work. And then they're able to pinpoint better strategies um, to help me manage it.
0: So
1: So I don't, this might be something I have forever. I'm just learning how to manage it better. And I'm right. learning how to. Um, honestly, I've become more artistic, mm-hmm. art not autistic artistic since all of this. Um, yes. I feel like I've become more right-brained,
0: more creative. Yes, yes, thinking in pictures more, thinking in mm-hmm. sketching things out, and and really making models. Yes, it, right? and
1: I'm, and I've actually become um, more intuitive and more present and things like that too, because I was so analytical before, yeah. And I've lost a lot of that um, analysis and that abstract thinking. Um, so in a way there's been some good things that come out of it, but, um, so I was in all of the treatment for three months and then I was having to make a decision. And what we realized was that like, I was not going to be able to have enough accommodations to be able to go back to teaching full time with the state that my brain was in after my three months of
0: FMLA leave. And so I ended up resigning from my job after Christmas. And you were at the school for a very long time. That was That was a really big decision for you. It was very emotional. It was, I I still haven't fully processed it,
1: honestly, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because I'd started the year with such high hopes. Um, But anyway, you know, God has carried me through all this. Yeah. And so um, what ended up happening is after I resigned from that job, I um, ended up getting opportunity to work part time with a school that I was consulting with about MAP scores. Yay! <laughs> because I'd been doing that for a while, I guess, yeah. you know. And so they needed someone to help as a resource teacher. And so I was able to start in the early part of 2020. hmm after I took some time off after resigning to be able to start part-time and work as a resource teacher there. And I continue my concussion treatment. And then that job has actually grown into a full-time job as well at this point. And so now I'm actually a resource teacher at that school. And I'm also the guidance counselor, (laughs) which my sister brought it up. And I was saying, you know, I've never been a guidance counselor before. This is a private school, so I don't need to have a guidance counseling degree to do it. But I have taught, in public schools for a long time. And I've helped a lot of students that had some, you know, emotional challenges and things like that and behavior challenges. So I can employ some of the techniques that I've learned in all my years in public school. But my sister also pointed out, she said, Shannon, your brain's hurt right now, but you've got a job where you can work on your, you know, you've always had a lot of good emotional intelligence. And Mm -hmm. so this guidance counseling job you can employ all of that part of your brain and your heart.
0: Yeah. It's really amazing how this whole thing has kind of like come into fruition. And and I think that it's really helpful because the s- school staff have been really supportive and appreciative of the things that you can bring to their school. And you're also easing in, which makes the politics of it really, easy, you know, a little bit easier. Well, too. I taught
1: them workshops before my concussion. Oh, and then right. I actually taught, because I was consulting with them, I actually taught a MAP workshop during the concussion. And so they saw I was kind of out of it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. Um, But they have been supportive because they've seen what I can do before the injury. And they can see now what I can do after injury. And they're helping me um, with accommodations to be able to still do the job and take my breaks and do all the things, write down the things and sketch the things and all the things that I need to do for my brain um, to help it still be able to function. Um, So I appreciate that I was able to get that job. and that um, God's been carrying me through this and provide an opportunity. I was worried that I was going to have to
0: leave education fully and I did not want to do that. It's so weird how as teachers we and we have so much identity as being a teacher. Exactly. Yeah it's when I had my first child I didn't resign from my job until like the exact last day that I actually could because the thought of leaving my identity as a teacher was such a strange phenomenon um I can only imagine but I'm really happy that like things have kind of come along the pike for you and you're just taking it one step at a time that's the best part I some days are better than others um we
1: had to do distance learning um In, in March and April and May and that was that was hard because uh, it was a lot of screen time and my brain doesn't process screens very well right now um, mm. and so um, I'm still learning I've had to go back to the concussion clinic this summer and they're helping me employ a few other strategies so this is um, anyway I'm going to pay attention as my brain learns and I think it's ultimately going to help me be a better teacher yeah. as I get better and understand my brain and how it works and how I come up with ways to, to function and um, learn in new ways. Yeah. And so I think I'm using this as an opportunity to inform my teaching. But this summer we've been doing summer school and I've been working with a lot of readers Um, which has been really exciting in the resource part of my job. So sometimes I wear the guidance counselor hat and sometimes I wear the resource
0: teacher hat. So cool. But it's been nice to wear the resource teacher hat the last few weeks. That's really good. I think it's probably nice to feel a little sense of like teaching normalcy where you're like familiar with the curriculum that you're using. You know that these are the things that will work and you can you know that you're helping children, even if it's like a social distancing situation and that face-to-face, Oh, I don't know. Okay, so it's a little bit difficult to teach phonics on a mask. I'm yeah. just saying
1: that to our listeners to prepare themselves in the fall. You know, I'm, I'm trying to teach the short vowels and blending and segmenting, and I, I'm thinking about getting one of the masks that has the clear face, like they yeah. have at you know at the deaf school. Right. But they look a little strange too, with some cloth around your face and then some clear. But anyway. In the meantime, what I'm doing is I'm wearing a cloth mask and I'm just screaming out the sounds like
0: "fuck," "ish," "what word?" <laughs> <laughs> They're like "fish." You know? Screaming. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think that we're going to have to really employ some more, um, like hand motions with all yes. of this as well. Which, guess what, makes it multisensory. <laughs> well, I'm doing doing instead of
1: the sideways mouth for mm-hmm. "eh" and which we talked about in the short vowels episode instead I'm doing edge for edge ta- of the table oh, good. and it, itch itch is good perfect um, and the e- edge is still that sideways with the e yeah. like the line
0: so she's holding her hand out like straight in front of her like elbow to hand yeah. straight in front horizontally so, so yeah that's good we did,
1: a, we did a short e and short
0: i sort today
1: initial vowel and then medial vowel nice. because I have one student in particular who she mastered all the other short vowels this week but she's still was messing up with those yeah
0: and so we really went with the edge and that was helping great I think that's one of the hardest is if you're talking about phonics is the e and the i short mm-hmm. vowel sound so that's great I I have um, a mask that I just saw online today so maybe with this episode I'll post um, a clear mask I have some neighbors across the street who have been really concerned about um coming back to school and they happen to be kindergartners going into first grade and they both have some significant speech and, um, speech issues. And so the mom is very concerned about going back to school because that can really socially impact kids when they're not understood by their peers and they're going to be really frustrated with a mask over their face already. So um, yeah, I'm a little... I'm Just like all parents, Chan and I are both worried about what the school year is going to look like. Just like all teachers, we're very worried about what the school year is going to look like. Um, But we are going to try to use our platform to share best practices and continue to lift people up and continue to make um, some forward progress with the craziness of the world right now and the craziness of the state of education right now. Well, I think we have an opportunity at this time to...
1: Transform what school is going to look like after all this is over. Agreed. And when I say all of this, I don't just mean the pandemic. I'm also meaning all of the civil unrest and social unrest Correct. because um, we have an opportunity now to create a more equitable school system and um, a place where there's more representation in the books, right? Where there's more funding because if if um, if local areas and local communities reduce some of the funding for the police departments, then hopefully they will invest that money in education, which is better for the community in the long run.
0: I think culturally we have so many um, interesting priorities that are shifting right now, and I feel like it's been a long time coming, but the educational priorities of the nation have just kind of been overwhelmed by many other um, impeding forces. And so now we're all noticing how very, very important education is for all people and how it impacts our entire economy and how it impacts all of the people in our world. And even if you don't see those faces every single day in your world, you're starting to notice and having a realization now. I really want to be um, a voice of Change—that's that's one of my goals this year, and I, I think we started with our podcast, but I think we're going to really try hard to include equity and um, positivity, and uh, I don't even know what the next word is, but we're we're just moving upwards.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, you know, testing—maybe it'll go away after this. I'm hoping that it will because the pendulum um, in education has swung so far in the realm of accountability that we've forgotten that education isn't just about accountability. It's also about the socialization and it's also about community and it's also about students like, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast, but it's not talked about in the greater realm of education about how it's really about a student connecting to their own learning. Correct. And being mindful of their own learning. And we've seen that in our own classrooms, but not everybody's talked about that in education as a whole. And so hopefully some of this will transform that where if we start showing if there are no test scores, then that is going to prove that students are more than a test score. Correct. And we're going to be looking at other measures of student learning and student growth and student success
0: and redefining what that is. I think that reteaching is also going to really need to be on the forefront and um, we cannot just gloss over concepts and, and say that we need to stick to the standards of the grade level because I think that on the other side of this, there's going to be v- a variety of grade um, experiences and uh, kids' abilities and um, their willingness to participate. And I think there's going to be a whole slew of other things that we're going to have to re-adjust um, our lens for right so like we're gonna have to really have a big focus on okay
1: not just was it taught because we don't know if it's going to be taught in person or if it's going to be taught online or a blend of the two mm-hmm. but we're going to have to look at did the students learn it right and it's going to be more formative assessments and more um, casual but really valuable data right. to see if they actually mastered it and learned it rather than you know just
0: it was covered like you said yeah definitely um wow so yeah so history is being made we are living it aren't we yes so i um i'll give you all just like a quick update on what's been happening in my life too um so my husband happens to be on the front lines right now and he um has potential contact every day when he's working. And so our family has had to be really isolated and we've had to be really careful and cautious. And I also feel like, um, a lot of people are looking to us about what to do and how to act and what, you know, what expectations are. And that has become really difficult because, um, when people are kind of like looking to you for answers and you don't have answers, it becomes overwhelming, just like all teachers are feeling right now. Um, I want everyone to be safe. I want everyone to make good choices. And you cannot expect everyone to do all of those things, especially when information is not consistent. Um, and, you know, it, it it just has been hard. So. Um, At our house, we've had a lot of isolation. My family happens to live out of town, and so um, it just is me and the girls, and I have um, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and so we have had to get really creative with our time together, and I know that all families are really feeling this as well. Um, I think what's been really hard on me is – Having to take a step back from things that I feel really passionate about and um, like tutoring. So I don't feel comfortable having students in my house, and I have basically seven minutes of uninterrupted time with my girls, and then seven minutes are up and they need something. And so it's been really difficult just kind of um, navigating what my um, purpose is in all of this outside of mommyhood. And so I've had to really prioritize my family. And I've had to learn to say no. And I've had to um, navigate uh, with our preschool and kind of involved in our preschool, what, what the opening of the school year is going to be like, and now making some decisions about what kindergarten is going to be like for um, my oldest. So it's been interesting. Um, but I do have some um, insight, I think. So a lot of my previous clients or neighbors or friends have been asking. I never, they, they would, it would start something like this. I really value teachers, but I never really wanted to be a teacher myself. And I feel like I've been thrust into this position now. And it because is I'm so homeschooling hard, in, right, because in the of spring. The, the, yes. Specifically homeschooling in the spring. And, um, Or, I've had a really negative experience in school myself, and I am terrified. I have no idea how to teach my kid to read, or I have no idea how to do um, this Common Core math. It makes no sense to me, and I don't want to be so negative in front of my child, but I don't know what it's going to look like in the coming years. And I will say, guess what? People hire tutors even pre-pandemic, because it's so hard to wear the hat of mom or dad as the authoritarian, the caregiver, the soft place to fall, the teacher, now the actual school teacher, you know, in and, and asking you to l- utilize things that you just don't have experience doing. And it's really hard. So I keep- when you have experience doing it, I did an awful job being teacher
1: mommy in the spring, I especially for my kindergartner, and he's in that critical learning to read stage. Great. And I have not employed the techniques that I know how to do with him yet because I just want to be his mom and I'm tired and I need to rest as well. And teacher mommy is hard and I have all those teaching techniques, so it must be really hard for the ones who don't have those and they're just going with what the teacher has sent on
0: Google and I think things that like that. All- I think all parents really need to hear that and and give themselves some grace in that, whether you're a teacher or not, whether you never wanted to be a teacher or whether you notice that your kid is struggling. I think that we have to be able to just like offer a blanket of grace in all of this. And that doesn't give you, you know, the permission to just like give it all up. But I do think that like trying showing empathy, um, utilizing your resources, however that might be. Um, One of the ways that I'm going to try to help, at least in my neighborhood, is like allow just the kids on the street to play and maybe have like kids come to my front porch for like 10 minutes, play a game, go back in the street with another parent, keep playing, and kind of rotating a little bit. That's something that we've sort of come up with. And we've tried it for the last couple weeks and it's been fairly successful um, because especially when reading is hard and challenging for your own child or um, on on my side my daughter happens to have a ton of skills and I keep trying to stretch her and and read harder books or try and do this and she just looks at me like no mom I don't want to do that right now no like no thank you I'm I'm ready to go play or and I have to also give her some grace in that yeah. too yeah you know like that's that's totally valid I have another friend who said um, that her son, who's super well-behaved, and they're very good parents, he is just getting a little more defiant and a little more aggressive and a little more frustrated, and finally it came out that he's just so bored. And he just is so bored. And so, you know, I think we need to just keep reaching out, and instead of making these bold statements of, this is terrible, this is terrible... If you have something that you can offer, just make a statement on an offering. And, and that's what I'm sort of trying to do because, and, and sometimes that might just be like a distance, like little elbow wave <laughs> to just, mom. I see you. I understand. We made it through it another day of 2020. Totally. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> so that's my, that's my advice for today is give yourself grace. Realize that being a teacher is hard, period. Being a parent is hard, period. Being a teacher parent during a pandemic is real hard. (laughs) So, there we go.
1: (laughs) We should get close to ending on that. I know. (laughs) I will say, I was ordering from a company. They had, like, a little ad on Facebook. And you know how, like, companies will give little discount codes? Their their discount code was WTF2020. Yeah. And normally I forget discount codes. you got to write them everywhere and look them up and, like, I remembered that one that's... for months. I was like, when I finally went to go op- um, order from the company, I'm like, I know their discount code.
0: There it is. Here we go. Oh, my gosh. I like, I'm going to order from them again because that's a great discount code. <laughs> I mean, really, this is crazy. Um, wow. So, yeah, this whole thing. This whole thing has been nuts. We're excited to end our season 2 and we're actually really excited to start season 3. We have some lofty goals that we're excited to get into and we're also giving ourselves grace in that as well because we had we were so pumped for season 2. We couldn't wait. We had guests lined up. We had all kinds of We just did not see the car things. wreck happening or a pandemic. <laughs> well there you go (laughs) so thank you all for tuning in and um we are really excited to share some more wonderful uplifting stories with you some light professional development and words of encouragement that you can hopefully apply that day or the following okay (laughs) thanks for tuning in and joining the conversation chat next time bye